The battle continues to protect farmland and thereby farming in the Skagit Valley. We talk a lot about Whatcom County here on the program. And as you well know, if you listen to this program at all, we've got battles of our own, particularly around water. In Skagit County, of course, water always an issue, and it's tied up in this one. But right now, the issue is a, a land grab, a farmland grab. What? And it's, take it one step further, a greenwashed farmland grab. What exactly does that mean uh, when we've got a, a major um, entity willing to spend huge sums of money to buy up farmland and take it out of production to ostensibly cover up their own lack of environmental sustainability, to use a super broad term, that becomes a problem in more ways than one, particularly when the process becomes gamed. That's what we talked about a few weeks ago here on the program with uh, Will Honey with Skagit County. Uh, he's an assistant prosecutor there dealing with these kinds of issues, and he's crying foul. He's exposing what's really going on here, even though others may tell you there's something different happening. He's exposing the truth about what's happening in the Skagit Valley and particularly what Seattle City Light is trying to do and what they don't want you to know about it. So, and, and you can check it out on SoundCloud. Uh, it's posted in the Save Family Farming uh, SoundCloud uh, page, uh, soundcloud.com slash Save Family Farming. So check that out. Greenwashed uh, Skagit Land Grab. You'll see the interview there. But Will is back. There's a public hearing coming up on Tuesday just a few days away, this issue is still out there. This has to do with the Skagit County government, the Skagit County Commission's attempt to stop this insanity by, by putting a moratorium on this kind of buying up of farmland to take it out of production. Am I summing this up correctly so far, Will? Uh, yeah, at a high level, that's, uh, that's uh, fairly accurate as to what's going on. Um, a lot of details to this, a lot of history and a very complex issue. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me on again, Dylan. I really appreciate it. Good morning. Good morning and uh, absolutely glad to have you here and to hear what is the true story here. Now, just to, to catch us up from where we were last time that we talked, you know, the Skagit County has set this moratorium to protect farmland, saying, hey, if you want to buy up land um, to mitigate, and we'll get into that term, what does mitigation really mean? And what happens when farmland becomes mitigation for someone else's issue? But we'll get there. What happens, or, or you know, the county's trying to stop this from happening on farmland in particular. Uh, we have this moratorium as a temporary thing. They, they want to make this permanent. We have this hearing coming up. Um, explain what, what Seattle City Light, what game they're playing here. Yeah, thanks, Dylan. Well, I think, um, you know, I, what I would start with you know, Seattle City Light is uh, the current issue. It's it's what's got what has folks excited because because it's happening now. 
But the issue of mitigation, of protecting our farmland, of restoring a uh, strong fisheries resource in the Skagit, among other things, to meet our treaty obligations, this is a very long-running thing. And I think what I'd start with is county government's role here and what our objectives are. We are the government of general jurisdiction and regulate land use uh, through our comprehensive plan and zoning within the entirety of uh, most of the Skagit Valley below uh, certainly City Lights hydroelectric dams, the habitated portion of the Skagit, uh, we regulate. In a sense, we're fairly unique insofar as there aren't a lot of counties where virtually an entire watershed is within uh, a county's boundaries. Um, you know, what's the only portion of the Skagit that's not is the, essentially the dams themselves, the park, and, 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 and the little bit up in, uh, uh, up in BC. But our longstanding objective as a community, and this is very different than other communities in the Puget Sound region, this is an exercise of local uh, self-governance, has been to steer away from unbridled development and protect our natural resources land base for natural resource industries and economies. And that means farming and forestry, and it also means fisheries. It's a big part of our culture here, too, in addition to the other two. So our job is to protect the land base, maintain uh, you know, the existing amount of infrastructure, discourage new growth, and, 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 and finally to balance the needs and interests of those uh, natural resources, industries, and economies. We, we want to keep all of them around. And, and what that inherently means is not targeting one at the expense of the other, but rather um, working to coordinate and guide and insist that all of them be done better in service of each other. Um, And so we've protected this land base. You know, folks drive through there and here and they love the Skagit. And what they need to understand is it's green and it's open because we and the landowners here as a, as a body politic, have voluntarily given up the development rights on the land. That's why, that's why there isn't development here. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a locally driven thing that we have sacrificed for generations uh, to protect in the interest of future generations. Um, you know, it's, 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 you can say what you want about the economy currently, but if we look into the future, some of the challenges with uh, just basic resources around the world, people in the future, we can rest assured that they will need eat. Uh, and it's, yeah. it's an important thing for us to protect uh, as, as a future economy and just for future generations' ability to subsist. Um, now, that means protecting the land base against development, but it also means protecting it against, um, uh, you know, more c- complicated schemes that essentially involve um, off-sourcing and off-loading the environmental impacts of those development activities and schemes onto our land base. So what mitigation is, ultimately, is uh, the idea that uh, an industrial or, or a commercial actor that's building, let's say, a factory or a housing subdivision or a hydroelectric dam, and they conclude that it's going to be very expensive to um, deal with the environmental harm that that creates. Let's say it's damaging wetlands or damaging a salmon stream. And it's going to be very expensive for them to deal with that at the location of what they're doing. And so they look around and they say, well, look at this farmland. It's very cheap compared to this. And, um, you know, we can acquire this land and it'll get us some kudos and uh, so on and so forth. Now, that is the driving force behind mitigation. That's a problem. What we have in the Skagit is um, a longstanding effort 
the Swinomish Indian tribal community came up with a plan to uh, help Chinook by restoring a certain amount of estuary habitat. Now, that has to be done very carefully over time. It's a very culturally sensitive and difficult thing to bring this together, but we have agreement to do that, and we're moving forward on it. It's coming up on halfway complete. Hmm. Um, and uh, so what's happened is, uh, just to, to be blunt about it, is that uh, in, in this specific instance, Seattle City Light has inserted itself into this and um, you know, wants to get in on, on the Delta estuary activity uh, it seems as a, a way to mitigate for its its hydroelectric dams, and is is is, is it seems to be pushing that uh, quite actively, or at least it has up until this point in the almost three years of their uh, process that they're seeking a license for the dams from the feds. And and the issue with the dams is fish passage, right? Where you know newer technology in a lot of dams and in other places has allowed um, dramatically improved fish passage techniques, but Seattle City Lights dams don't have that, right? Uh, th that's right. Uh, Seattle City Light, under for the last 25-plus uh, years, under its existing federal license, so it, just to make clear for your listeners, the federal government, um, namely the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, or FERC, uh, they license hydroelectric operations as they do any any energy production f facility in the United States, and they are required to include environmental conditions to uh, offset the impacts on fish. And so around the Pacific Northwest, what's been discovered over the years of doing this is that fish passage, that making the habitat beyond the dams accessible is really a high payoff activity. It now costs some money, um, and it's front-loaded money. You have to build something, and then it has to be managed. So it, it's not without cost, but virtually everybody that owns a hydroelectric operation, both public and private, uh, in the Pacific Northwest has had to do that. Seattle managed to avoid that, sort of slid in under the wire on some legislation and so forth um, back a few decades ago, and instead has conducted off-site compensatory mitigation for its dams by buying up Skagit Valley's natural resources land base. And to date, uh, over 12,000 acres have been purchased, and they've removed that land from our tax rolls, hmm. funding various things. So, And um, is that all farmland, or what? what is that land that they've bought? Well, some of it's farmland. Some of it's... Uh, uh, was land that wasn't that was was essentially wild land that uh, you know cottonwood stands and so forth that flood frequently. Some of it was forestry lands, but I mean, it, it, you know, Dylan, it's like anything. Things start off and you have a good idea, but if you go far enough, you go beyond the original good idea into something else. And yeah. so, so what's happened here is that land that is was suitable to be protected, particularly much of it in the eastern Skagit County, where um, you know, just violent flooding, frankly, precludes uh, a good bit of land from being used for anything. That land was purchased at, you know, for pennies on the dollar, uh, you know, $100 an acre, that sort of thing. Uh, and that was great uh, for while well, it lasted for them because it was a very inexpensive way to do something that looked impactful. Well, we've protected this land. Well, it was never going to be used for anything to begin with. <laughs> right. Uh, 
Now, our local code prohibits it, for one thing. But So no one really had a tremendous issue with that. But well, that you can't land, just keep it, doing that. I mean, there's a finite amount of land. And as we're talking about here, you end up buying up, and it sounds like they've already started, into farmland and then we have issues you know here in whatcom county we we want to maintain a, a threshold of at least a hundred thousand acres in pro- productive agriculture otherwise the entire local agricultural community and economy starts to fall apart and that same principle i'm sure is a factor in skagit county well if this continues you know it could spell um, you know, the long term, at least the the slow death of of farming in in Skagit County, I would imagine, and and as we say here in Whatcom County as well, you know, fish need farms. Um, so yeah, you may protect some land, but you don't protect it all. You lose local food, and you lose all of that land base. Inevitably, some of it um, can't all be protected. Will be developed down down the road if we lose a farming community so high level here to me this doesn't sound like a win for the environment well it it, um you know what's so what's happened is like you like you alluded to that land that was suitable for tech for protection has been bought up and so and it's you know and it's not seattle city light has been very active as well in funding um, non-governmental organizations from getting involved in this too. So it's not just the 12,000 acres they've taken off the tax roll. And then of course, with the immense rise in, you know, in the idea of ESG and sustainability and green certification, you know, the need for corporate actors to show that they're in business for the earth instead of for profit and so forth. It's sort of a dubious proposition, but, uh, you know, because of the, all of that pressure, um, there's a sort of a tremendous uh, amount of economic and political pressure that grows out of that to start consuming our productive natural resources land base, lands that you know are not in, you know under constant and active flooding. They're being used for some sort of productive activity, and um, and so that becomes a problem because again, here you see what the driving force is. It's the economics behind the need of some outside actor to seek penance for its environmental sins. And it's, it's not just the activity itself, it's all the politics that goes with it. Because, you know, we're involved in habitat activity, and it is focused on one thing and one thing alone, and it's recovering the fisheries resource while minimizing the impact of farming. We're not being paid to, to, to arrive at any conclusions there. You see, yeah, and so uh, it's a very different thing than recovery activity, and so we have this tremendous pressure to use this natural resources land base for th- things that are. It's ultimately grounded in an energy company's need to save money, uh, and that's that, that's that's you know that's a legitimate consideration for them, but that's not shouldn't be the center of our public policy consideration in the Skagit Valley. You know, we we've had this discussion. And we've arrived at a conclusion under our comprehensive plan democratically, which is that all of this farmland is supposed to be protected unless there's a very high benefit thing in a specific place right. that needs to be done for the fisheries. Skagit County Senior Deputy Prosecutor Will Honey is on the farming show with us this morning. I'm Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI as we continue on your Saturday morning talking about uh, the moratorium. A temporary moratorium down in Skagit County designed to protect farmland from being bought up for mitigation efforts. Again, as we've just been talking about, um, the hearing coming up uh, Tuesday 
Um, and talk about uh, the process here. There, there have been real problems, as you've identified, Will, with with the process that's been followed or or maybe hasn't been followed here. Um, yeah, I, you know, but before I jump into that, I wanted to circle back around to a really important point about mitigation for folks to understand. Sure. Um, and and I'll, I, that's a really good question you asked, and I'm coming back to it. But, um, you know, the idea of mitigation, what is on-site and what is off-site? And a lot of, there's been a lot of confusion in our community. On-site mitigation is where you mitigate at the location of the impact. So yep. in the case of Seattle City Light, at their dams, there's you know a lot of public land that they're sitting on. They're massive reservoirs. None of that salmon have access to because of those dams. Now, um, you know, there's an argument been made. Well, farmland 70 miles downstream is also uh, appropriate mitigation because it's in the same watershed. Now, what this speaks to is uh, from an environmental policy perspective, if you're going to do off-site mitigation, if you decide that it's infeasible and you can't do mitigation at the location of the impact here, the, in the case of City Light, the dams, then it's better to look within the same watershed. Best available science obviously says it's better to do it in the same watershed, but that's still off-site mitigation. That's still a distant effort, and it's still... Um, you know, not doing the best thing, which is mitigation at the dam. So that's been a topic of confusion, and I wanted to hit that for uh, yeah. listeners, particularly in the ag community. But going back to your uh, question, your great question, you know, the Seattle City Light process, these FERC processes are notoriously Byzantine and complex. Um, you know, during the last relicensing, Seattle dragged it out for 20 years. Uh, and that is a problem for us as a community. You know, we're all small entities, ultimately small rural entities. These yeah. tribes are a couple hundred folks. You know, mm -hmm. Soxerotl is three hundred and something. I think Upper Skagit seven hundred. Swinomish aren't much more. Uh, a tremendous drain on resources, and uh, you know, and I think it's also fair to say that you know the desire funded by hundreds of millions of dollars of an energy company to do things that are inconsistent with our comprehensive plan, that are inconsistent with our longstanding community plans, inherently creates a dynamic of conflict and divide and conquer. And, you know, putting that in the context of a valley where we have four tribes and there's quite a bit of history, uh, you know, our goal is to come together with the Skagit Treaty tribes of this valley and do the best thing for farming and the fisheries resource. And so without speaking to any individual's intent, we look at the systemic effects of what's occurred here. It has definitely interfered with and uh, degraded our ability to communicate and have a relationship with the Skagit Treaty tribes to do the best thing for this valley and the resource. So these are problems that we were thinking about. Yeah coming into it. And as we came into it, it became very apparent that, you know, the central goal or a, a central um, strategy was simply to uh, exclude local government in all its forms uh, from the discussion. And frankly, that continues to the present day where, uh, you know, as we came into this um, and uh, we're flatly told that Seattle City Light intends to keep doing the same thing. Uh, wow. Uh, and and after a significant amount of media pressure, they agreed to do what uh, Upper Skagit, Soxhawtl, and agencies were asking and study fish passage at these dams. And I think it's also fair to say that, um, 
you know, although it is their obligation as the dam operator to move this forward, uh, it's it's not been moved forward in the way that one might expect and has been left to particularly the upper Skagit tribe to do that. I'm not speaking for anybody, but that's what yeah. appears to me. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, meanwhile, there's been a significant effort politically and otherwise to advance, you know, exactly what we talked about, this uh, mitigation on farmland. So it comes right. down to, uh, and, and that's been carried, that's carried with it, uh, you know, I think a lot of political pressure coming at us from various non-governmental organizations that Seattle City Light has funded to do this in our valley. And of course, uh, because they've gotten away with so little uh, over time, by the way, um, we looked at all the hydro operator spending on fisheries around the Northwest since um, 1990. Hmm. Seattle City Light, and this is, we put this out there publicly, it's been reported on King 5 and elsewhere. It's never been rebutted in any way, shape, or form with any data. Uh, and I've got a spreadsheet to back this up based on actual spending. Seattle City Light has uh, spent 37 times less than the regional average for fishery spending. 37 times wow. less. So, And, and yet, if is, you'd listen to them, they're the champions of the environment and fish. But the, the numbers tell a, a much different story we have to take a break we're, we're talking with uh, skagit county De senior deputy prosecutor will honey on the farming show i'm dylan honkoop will are you able to hang on through the break and uh, come back with us for the second segment to to talk about more uh, of the detail here what you guys are trying to do to protect farming and farmland in skagit valley absolutely all right, stand by. We're going to take a, a, a time out, and we will be back here on The Farming Show as we continue on your Saturday morning here on KGMI. We're back. We continue The Farming Show here on KGMI. Dylan Honkoop with you on your Saturday morning. We are tackling what's really going on in the Skagit Valley and, and the the real threat to farming and farmland there right now, you know, among a variety of things, but one in particular that's that's quite troubling. But at first blush, if you look at this at a high level and don't understand what's really going on behind the curtain, you'll you'll miss what's actually happening and, and the threat that it poses to the future of farming in Skagit County. It's a greenwashed land grab uh, by a, a large entity that needs to quote unquote mitigate as we've been talking about in the first half if you missed it we will be uh, posting as, as soon as we can um, this conversation to our, our soundcloud channels uh, say uh, soundcloud.com slash save family farming talking with uh, will honey he is a Skagit County senior deputy prosecutor, deals with natural resources issues and these kinds of things. He's also a farmer himself up in the, the eastern uh, part of the upper Skagit Valley, if you will. Uh, and he uh, continues with us this morning. You know, before the break, Will, you laid out what's really going on here, what the truth is about this quote-unquote mitigation that Seattle City Light wants to do for its dams, which lack fish, fish passage. And, and just before the break, you exposed they're, they're spending 37 times less money than the average of other 
dam operators in in the west or uh, pacific northwest i'm not sure what the entire region was um so hey hey what's going on here why aren't they willing to step up to the plate um to protect the environment and why instead are they putting the burden on the farming community ultimately by buying up more and more now productive farmland as they apparently what to do this was the in, this was the inspiration between uh, behind the the moratorium in Skagit County on on doing this on buying up farmland to mitigate for something else uh and again a hearing coming up this coming Tuesday in Skagit County uh before the planning commission right well uh on on making this this ban on on doing this kind of thing uh more permanent i guess Right. The Board of County Commissioners in July adopted a temporary moratorium for six months to look at uh, a permanent or for time to look at a permanent ordinance, uh, which is not uncommon. It just kind of preserves the status quo. Um, Although, you know, I will say Skagit County has not used emergency moratoria to stop various uh, development activities in the way that other counties have. We've only done this a couple times. So, you, well, you Whatcom know, I, County is famous for its emergency moratoriums for six weeks, six months, extend them seven times <laughs> on any little well, thing that they you know, decide. I won't, to Whatcom, I won't speak to Whatcom <laughs> County, but we see the use of the emergency moratorium as. There is a serious problem where someone or a group are taking our natural resources policy in this valley in a completely inappropriate direction, and we need to get control of it and uh, set things straight. Uh, so we're, we're pretty uh, reluctant. I think in the 15 years I've been with the county, if my memory serves, we've done this three times. One of it had to do with cannabis, and the other two had to do with this off-site mitigation problem. So we're pretty judicious about the use of that. You and know, we do. That, that aligns with my vision of how local government is supposed to operate. But um, as beyond that, this this particular issue um, coming up for this hearing, what's that going to look like? Um, yeah, what's going to uh, so, be uh, on the table? Planning Commission, and they're going to be taking public testimony. Uh, on on how folks feel about this, um, you know, I, I, I think it's fair to say it seems like there's pretty broad support in the farming community. Um, I think, uh, you know, there are a number of folks. And so, why is Seattle doing this? Was the question you originally asked there, and it's it's completely understandable why they're doing it. It's it's um, you know, this is not them speaking. This is simply me engaging in some rational analysis about what's transpiring here, which is. Uh, at an economic level, it's much more attractive if they can, you know, over the last 25 years, they've spent oh, something like under half a million dollars a year on this activity. Uh, and they end up with land, which is they don't pay taxes on because they're a municipal government. And it's sort of an evergreen source of PR, you might say, because every year some piece of land is acquired. Well, we've protected it and we're helping salmon. So there's a happy story to sell in the media every year. <laughs> It's coming out of an operational budget. No one knows, you know, anything about it. It just happens. Now, with fish passage, it's going to require them bonding some capital improvements. Now that gets passed through the ratepayers. They can afford it. They have, last I checked, uh, power rates twenty percent lower than the national average. They just don't want to. It's not something that they want to have to tell the leadership in Seattle. I mean, that's. I, I think that's a reasonable. Uh, you know, or the the, the ratepayers of Seattle that we're raising the rates because we have to do things for fish in in, in Skagit County, um, and so and here uh, Seattle is supposed to be this bastion of environmental concern. Uh, that doesn't seem to. <laughs> 
align with that, the, the typical think, MO. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I think that speaks to the problem of, uh, you know, this belief that if, if, if corporations sort of say enough nice things about the environment and so forth, that we forget what they're really up to. Yeah. Um, you, you know, the, the reality is, is that, you know, entities are self-propagating. They look out for their own interest. And that's, you know, that's what they're supposed to do. Seattle City Light is supposed to make electricity as cheap as it can. That doesn't mean they should be in charge of natural resources policy in the Skagit Valley. Right. Two radically different things, and you know, I mean, I mean, you know, there's all there's many good people involved in this, involved in financial relationships with Seattle City Light in our valley. So this is not a criticism of individuals. This is an analysis of a you know a systemic outcome. I, you know, when yeah. you get in com- situations as complex, you sort of have to stop listening to people's stated intentions and look and see what are the outcomes. What does this system produce, and what it's producing? is a degradation of our ability to work these issues out with the local treaty tribes. That alone is a problem. You know, the, and so the idea that you know, we are going to use our productive natural resources land base for the needs of an energy company elsewhere, it's flatly inconsistent with our comprehensive plan and the will of the people of this valley. And that's the problem, and that's what we're addressing. And the, you know, the, the intent of the people of this valley is to protect our farmland base from all threats and to work with the tribes within that directly and the federal and state agencies directly um, to do the very best things we can for the fisheries resource. Again, I want to just underscore, like protecting farmland is one objective. The other is having a robust fisheries resource. It's about the treaty. These tribes gave up this entire land base, signed the whole thing away. Imagine if your family gave up the entire Skagit Valley and all you got in return was a promise there'd be salmon around. I'd be irritated if I were them too. Yeah. So that's an objective. It's also, we're going to have a tourism economy. That's about salmon. Salmon bring nutrients to this whole ecosystem. You know, when it floods, my lower field gets washed, you know, with the river. In, in times historic, it carried a big load of nutrients from salmon, right? right? This is some, we're all connected together here in a natural resources, uh, nature-based community. So this is, this is not just something we're doing for the tribes either. So we, but it's very difficult and it, this is very fine local determinations about um, how best to go about this. And so we can't have that relationship being trampled on by interests that have objectives other than just balancing fishing and farming in the very best way. And that's that's really at its core what's what's happening. It's not necessarily about Seattle City Light. They're the problem right in front of us. But like, you know, I think I mentioned in the last interview, we banned mitigation banking. Uh, so the idea of somebody doing this sort of thing and then selling credits to others, we banned that in 2009. And this yeah. is just a minor expansion of that prohibition, you might say. Will Honey is with us right now on The Farming Show. I'm Dylan Honkoop here on, on KGMI. Uh, Will is, the, is a senior deputy prosecutor for Skagit County talking about this, what, what we're terming a, a greenwashed farmland grab and, and why the Skagit County Commission has moved to block that from happening to protect farmland and ultimately to protect farming in Skagit County. If you do want to hear that previous conversation that we had about a month ago, you can go to soundcloud.com slash save family farming. You can see it there in our tracks. Will, would you mind responding to, to some uh, a comment I'm seeing here from a, a naysayer on, on this issue who, who says um, that uh, you and Skagit County are, are talking out of both sides 
of their mouth. Uh, says you can't have your cake and eat it too. Uh, you're on the record supporting the estuary restoration goals. Uh, you think that land should be purchased from farmers while simultaneously saying that restoration doesn't work and trying to stop one of the potential funding sources for such an offer. What's this all about? What, what's the truth here? Uh, well, there's a lot packed into that. I mean, I think <laughs> I've answered. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I will surmise that, first of all, as has been the case with everybody that's naysayed this, that they have a close and longstanding financial relationship with Seattle City Light. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm not being mean. That's very relevant. If one is getting a bunch of money and hopes to get a bunch more in our system, that's a relevant fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I won't ask you to name who it is, but I'd ask you. Well, to and, and we don't know, it, you know, it's an anonymous, uh, to it. I mean, there's a, a username, but we don't really know who's behind that username. So we don't know. Well, it's, it's probably, probably there's a reason why it's anonymous. So, <laughs> the, uh, you know, so, uh, but to answer the question directly, um, the reason is, uh, we have raised some concerns about the fact that our entire salmon recovery strategy has been focused on Chinook. Now, there are five species, and I just want to be clear, the Skagit is the last best place in Puget Sound, in part because we've protected it from development. I mean, I've been you know, commercial fishermen up and down the West Coast the first half of my life, and... I can tell you one thing I've concluded is wherever there's a lot of intensive development and human habitation, salmon go away. I, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I can make that observation. So we've yeah. protected this place, and it's a big reason. So I, I just want to put that out there. Just the, the reason there is a place that's untrammeled by development is thanks to us locals. And so that needs that we need to start that in the conversation. Right. However, what we're talking about here, again, is um, – uh, Yes, Seattle City Light could be a potential funding source, but as I've described, um, we are trying to balance fishing and farming, and it's a very different thing to have a public investment in recovery as to specific projects driven solely by the need to balance fishing and farming in the best way, as opposed to um, a huge amount of money. Uh, You know, so if we you know, if if, uh, if Seattle City Light were to spend equitably with all the other dam operators in the Northwest, they'd be spending something like $700 million. Wow. Okay, to date, there's been $100 million on these habitat activities. So if all of that is injected onto our land base, it's going to gobble up a tremendous amount of land. And of course, because there are these regulatory requirements to do things, and people who are non-governmental actors who are being paid to do them, and it just injects this tremendous amount of economic and political pressure to do things that aren't driven solely by our desire to balance things. The other thing is, uh, we don't want this to come at the expense of mitigation at the dams, just simply because we can look around the Northwest and see this really works. Again, yeah. this is well, not and, about paying specific people to do habitat work. This is about recovering a fisheries resource in the best way possible. And that's another part of this naysayer comment. The the, the person, whoever it is, uh, don't know a name, uh, but I thought it'd be great to have you be able to you know respond to some of this critique. Again, this is a comment on the SoundCloud post of the last conversation we had uh, who knows what comments will come with this one when we post it to soundcloud and hopefully we'll do that soon again it does uh, soundcloud.com slash save family farming um, but the the commenter the naysayer continues this person saying uh, fish passage is not a recovery action for chinook 
Uh, this person says they tried it at Baker and it failed. Ross Lake is not Chinook habitat. The Skagit River floodplain in Delta is. The bottleneck to recovery is rearing habitat. It doesn't matter how many more adults come into the river if the nurseries are at capacity. What's well, your response? Oh, that's to a, yeah, my response to that is uh, who's in charge of this question is the National Marine Fisheries Service. Our tax dollars are paying some of the best scientists in the world that are located here in Seattle. Also, the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. I will lay money with you, Dylan, that the person that wrote that is an individual with a non-governmental organization that hopes to receive money to continue the activity they've been doing. So mm. we, you know, that's fine. They can have that opinion. But the problem is... That has been the entire strategy in the Skagit for the last 25 years. Chinook in the last 15 years have fallen by half. So I hear words written right there that I strongly suspect have to do with a financial interest yeah. that are totally inconsistent with the outcomes on the ground. And as I mentioned in our last interview, we're a nature-based community, right? And, and we believe in, that we should look at actual outcomes before we look at people's financial interests and words and all of this other stuff. You know, the world's gotten so complex and the ability of the kind of public relations professionals to steer us into things that, you know, is this really true? Local communities, local and indigenous knowledge is what's needed here. And that, what that means is people that have lived here for a long time, observe things over time, and can't be bamboozled. And so, uh, you know, my response to that is, that's been the strategy for 25 yeah. years, and it's not working based on numbers, okay? Uh, and probably— this is, this, is, this is another uh, doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Correct. And, and, and again, to be clear, we're not talking about um, not doing habitat. We're not saying we're backing out of this agreement. I think we, it's fair to say that we've expressed some concerns about whether it's working— but we're people who make an agreement and then keep our word. And the right. word is we're going to do this 2,700 acres. So, you know, you're not talking out both sides of our mouth. We're observing objective empirical reality that Chinook continue to decline despite all this effort. And we should probably do something else too. Now, as to what, so this is, uh, again, we want to empower federal and state resource agencies here. They are the experts to decide how best to recover this resource. It's not for Will Honey to say, and it's not for with a non-governmental organization and a financial interest to say either. Right. And so that's, that's how I would respond to that. So solutions here. How, how do we find a way out of this to protect farmland and farming as well as restore fish in Skagit County, in the Skagit Valley in the Skagit River? Well, in terms of solutions, I would say, you know, first of all, uh, we are really tired of the conflict and the finger pointing. Uh, we want to come together with uh, resource agencies and tribes. Those are the important players in our valley. Those are the parties that have legal rights at the federal and state level and obligations along with us to uh, balance, uh, you know, create balance here. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is, is I would leave it to that ultimately. Um, and in terms of, uh, you know, how we do that, um, we need to, you know, we, we need to come together. We want to, we want to stop the finger pointing. We've, we've got a list of projects. We've agreed to do them over time as a public investment with state and federal money. You know, there's all sorts of money swirling around out there for infrastructure. There's no shortage of money. I mean, I guess that's how I would respond to um, the, the commenter from the NGO that you mentioned. Well, right. I guess we don't know it's an NGO, but I suspect it is. Uh, right. Right. That commenter, uh, 
uh, I would respond to that is um, there's plenty of money. It's not a question of we need Seattle City Lights money. That is a fallacy mm. uh, being uh, you mm. know handed handed to us by folks who want to get a hold of some of Seattle City Lights money. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, there's all this money to do these projects and they need to be done very carefully over time. The problem with these estuary projects is not money. The problem is uh, the folks advancing them, who's in charge and the lack of local consensus. So what we want to do is have direct and honest conversations with all of our Skagit Treaty tribes. We're having, you know, very, very good ones with most of them. So, the uh, and that's the pathway. It's and then you know and, and then you know I guess it's just sort of a simple statement, but but observe the system, which is that we have these excellent scientists at the National Marine Fisheries Service, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife, and the National Park Service. By the way, they own all the real estate above Skagit County. You might say on the Skagit. Right. They're great folks. They're some of the finest in the world, and your our tax dollars are paying for them. They need to be deciding uh, what's best for the fisheries resource, and we're more than happy to work with them, but we can't have it be driven by uh, the frequently opaque and, and, and difficult to understand uh, objectives of an energy company. Yep. I mean, it's that yep. simple. Yeah, we are uh, out of time. Will Honey, uh, Skagit County Senior Deputy Prosecutor with us here on the Farming Show on KGMI, talking about protecting farmland from a greenwashed land grab and all the, the problems that have gone into that and what they're trying to do to stop this down in Skagit County. Uh, again, we're out of time, but real quick, Will, what, uh, what's the scoop on the, the hearing on Tuesday? Is that a daytime thing? Is that an evening thing? What, that's before oh, yeah, the sure Skagit does. County Planning Commission. Yeah, Skagit County Planning Commission. So it's uh, on con- it's at the commissioner's hearing room. I believe it's 1800 Continental Way in Mount Vernon. It's at 6 p.m. Um, and uh, you can find information about it on the planning department's uh, website. I can, you know, I can actually send you a link to the hearing, Dylan. You could share it with your listeners. Sure. But um, I'll do that. Uh, but you can also participate by Zoom. Uh, or uh, one can send in written comments, and the County uh, Planning Commission will be accepting those, I think, until uh, September 29th, close of business. Sounds good. Thank you so much again for filling us in uh, and for standing up for, for farmland and farming in Skagit County. Will Honey with uh, Skagit County, thanks for being here this morning. Thanks, Dylan. We want to see our kids have both fisheries and farming long into the future. and Appreciate your help in keeping that around.